0: Welcome again. Welcome to worship. To those of you who are here in our sanctuary, welcome to those of you who are joining us in our contemporary service or online or on TV. I'm really glad that you guys are here. I'm glad we're all together, had this opportunity to grow together as followers of Jesus Christ. We had the chance to kind of kick off our fall season together last week. It was the kickoff to our life in the fall and also the kickoff to a new sermon series, a new message series I'm going to share with you called vision2020.net. It's an opportunity for us to talk together about the things that we believe that God is doing in us as a church family, the direction that we believe that God is taking us together. And last week, we kind of laid the foundation for that. We talked about our call to know the gracious heart of God and to show the gracious heart of God to others. Our our call as human beings, as those who know God in Jesus, to be God reflectors, to reflect the heart of our Heavenly Father to others. We kind of laid that foundation last week and I told you that in the next couple weeks I'd start to say a little bit more detail, get a little more practical about what that means for us. And so to get started with that today, I want to invite you to take out this little mini magazine that was in your worship bulletin this morning, wherever you are right now, if you would take this out. And there's a lot on here I'd hope you're interested to see. You know, On the back cover are things that many of our own First Lutheran family members wrote down about nine months ago as we were stirring up our dreams for First Lutheran. But where I'd really like to turn your attention right now is to the very middle, to the page that folds out right there in the middle, and you'll see kind of a colorful pyramid right there. I'm going to explain what this is for just a moment. This pyramid, don't even look at the blue boxes on top yet, just this pyramid at the bottom, this is a little tool that we've been using with our staff, our pastors, our council, kind of our leadership teams for the last several months, and I call it our identity pyramid, or maybe our vision pyramid. I think this pyramid gives kind of a simple, graphic description of who we are who God has made us to be and who it is that God is calling us to be more of if you just look at that for a second you see down at the bottom is the heart of the father right that's the the gracious heart of our heavenly father that runs down the road after his lost children after you and me after people who are lost near and people who are lost far it's our call to reflect the heart of God that's the foundation that's the why behind everything we do Built on top of that are basic beliefs and core values that we share together. Common Christian beliefs, biblical teaching, Christ-honoring teaching that's been shared by the followers of Jesus throughout the centuries and around the world. And built on top of that are these core values. We call them sometimes our First Lutheran Church family values. These are their hang-on banners around our worship venues. They're printed right here. These are the kind of specific values that help us give expression to the heart of the Father here in this place. And then right on top of that, kind of the top of this pyramid, is our mission. It's what we're called to do. This is who we are and what we do. And our mission is the great commission that Jesus gave his first followers. Our mission as a people is to be and make disciples of Jesus. When we think about who we are as a church family, we can look right here and get a good description of that. When we think about why do we do what we do, it all comes from here. It comes from who we are and right now in our church conference room over here kind of in our office area, there's a bigger version of that, and we're actually printing an even bigger, even bigger version of that to hang in that place where our leadership teams meet most of the time. Next week in our FLC 101 class with folks who are becoming a part of First Lutheran, I'm gonna go through this in more detail even than we have time to do together just in a Sunday morning worship service. This is, this is who we are and who God has called us to be and become more of. Now, I don't think this will come as a surprise to you, hopefully not too much of a shocker, I don't think we're perfect yet, right? I don't think God's done with us yet. As God calls us to be more and more this people who reflect his heart to the world, I think there's the opportunity for us to see what are the next horizons for us? What are the next steps we take? What are the next hills that we're going to take as we become more and more this people that God has called us to be? And that's what's at the top of this page, at the top of the pyramid, these three blue boxes, the three next areas of emphasis for us that we might call our Vision 2020, What areas do we want to grow in in the next five years or so? And these identify those three areas. We need to expand our invitation to Christ. We're gonna invest in the relationships that make this church family strong. And I think we need to empower the people of Jesus for life and service in the kingdom of God. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna have this opportunity that I mentioned already last week for all of us together in an experiential way to say, I wanna be a part of that. I'm, I'm signing on for the work that God is doing in this church. They want to sign on for the people that God has made us to be in the direction that he's taking us. This is the kind of thing right here of people who reflect the heart of our Heavenly Father who are grounded in these teachings, practice these values, pursue this mission and grow in this way. That's what we're signing on to. And I want to talk to you about the first one of these three boxes today. We've got this week and the next two weeks. Today I want to talk to you about this first box. We're going to expand our invitation to Christ. Invitation is a powerful thing, isn't it? invitation is a powerful thing you know every once in a while here during the week on a weekday a lot of you maybe aren't here during the week but I'm back there in my office every once in a while our contemporary worship leader Chris Barrett over in the fellowship hall right now hi Chris Chris is nervous he has no idea what I'm going to say next our contemporary worship leader Chris Barrett will come to my office and he'll come there with a basketball under his arm and invite me to go outside to the parking lot playground and go shoot hoops for a few minutes before we dig back into the afternoon you know what cool young guy like Chris invite an old man like me to go play hoops with him? That feels pretty good. (laughs) Invitation's a powerful thing. Thanks for getting me right here, Chris. Invitation's powerful. Let me take you back to your childhood. Anybody remember when you were a kid and someone in your class was throwing a birthday party? Did it matter if you got invited? (laughs) Did the world begin and end if you got invited? Invitation matters a lot to us. When you were a little bit older, and maybe you were in middle school or high school, and you walked into the lunchroom cafeteria for the first time that year. Maybe you were carrying your lunch bag, maybe you were coming out of the hot food line, and you were really hoping that somebody would just speak one word of invitation, that somebody would invite you to come sit at their table in their circle of friends. Invitation is a powerful thing. As adults, we still experience this, we never outgrow this. It could happen in hundreds of ways. Maybe it's a project at work. Maybe your boss is putting together a new team to work on a special project. And whether it's a project you want to work on or not, you at least wanted to be invited, didn't you? Man, invitation is a powerful thing. It's amazing. It's unfortunate how lousy churches can be at invitation sometimes, you know. Sometimes churches, they get better exclusion than we get at inclusion. Which is really staggering. Stunning, really when you think that that could be true of a movement that was started by Jesus of Nazareth himself. I I had a conversation a few years ago, probably four, five years ago maybe, sitting down with a leader in one of our meeting rooms here in our church building with a leader of a community service organization called Fair For All that we now partner with to help provide affordable groceries, affordable food here in our own neighborhood. But at that time we were just thinking about forming that partnership. We invited one of their leaders here and we sat down I asked her, you know, it seems like you do this in other places. A lot of times you're doing it in community centers or other civic or public buildings, but it do not really seem to work in a lot of churches. You know, why is that? And she just looked at me with this, you know, straight face, real flat tone of voice, and she said, well, you know, churches are just a lot more interested in who's already there than anybody on the outside. She said that real nonchalant, like I was supposed to know that, like that's just the truth. I managed not to scream when she said it. And pretty soon we invited them to come and partner with us and we work with them about once a month here in our church building. But she's like, how does that happen? How does it come to be that communities of people who claim to follow Jesus have cultivated a reputation for not caring about anybody but those who are already there? I mean, I hope that maybe some of you will be kept up a little bit tonight because of that. Because that's a problem. I mean, that's a real problem and yet it's also realistic, it is realistic. I think every human organization, I think every human organization has the tendency over time to turn inward, or maybe almost every organization. Over time, especially with a little bit of success, there's the tendency to get comfortable and settled and inward. But we can't do that, that can't happen for us. That option is not on the table for us. If it is, we have to take that option off the table for us. And we have one very helpful advantage, one very strong advantage in making this happen for us, and that's this. We're not a human organization. Or at least we're not merely a human organization. We are the church of Jesus Christ, made alive by the spirit of the great inviter himself. And so it is that we must expand our invitation to Christ. And in my view, I think that means at least two things for us in the coming years. The first thing I think it means for us is that we must build an entire culture of invitation. We're gonna build a culture of invitation, or the way that I say it more fully sometimes is we will prayerfully and intentionally build a culture of invitation that focuses on equipping and empowering the inviters. That sounds clever, doesn't it? But it's not my idea, we got this from Jesus himself. (laughs) This is what Jesus did, he invited inviters. In the passage that's kind of the theme story for this series we read together, all of us together last week, Jesus came by the north end of Lake Galilee and he saw some guys who were fishing and he invited some people who were fishing for fish to fish for people. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. He invited them and built them in, made them a culture of invitation. Same thing happened in the Bible story from Jesus' life that we all read together here this morning. Right before kind of the main action of that story, Jesus had met one of these guys who was going to become his disciples. This guy had some questions about him and what he was up to and even where he was living. Jesus' answer to his questions was a very simple invitation. He just said, why don't you come and see? Come and see for yourself. Simplest invitation there could be. In fact, so simple that the people who followed Jesus, they began to be able to use that invitation themselves. In the action of the story that we read together this morning, there was this guy named Nathaniel. And Nathanael had some questions about Jesus, some reservations, honestly, about Jesus. He wondered if this Jesus guy could be all he's cracked up to be. And so Nathanael did a fairly logical thing. He directed his questions to a guy named Philip, who had only recently himself become a follower of Jesus. He asked Philip, could Jesus really be as good as all this? Right? And by the way, before I go on, I bet you've had this conversation. Right? I mean, this is like 2,000 years ago. But it is still happening all the time now. At some point, I bet somebody has said to you, I don't know, I just I can't believe all that stuff Christians believe. Or maybe if they haven't said it to you, you've overheard it, it was said in your hearing. Or if it hasn't been said to you yet, look out tomorrow, it might be coming. When somebody asked you that, did you know what to say? Or how would you answer that kind of thing when someone says that? What would you say back? Philip was having this conversation a long time ago. Nathaniel's like... Could anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus, could he really be that good? Philip just said what he had heard Jesus say, which is a pretty good strategy. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. This is a culture of invitation that Jesus was building in them. We're gonna build a culture of invitation around here. And I could talk about this for weeks, what it means to have those kind of conversations. And at some time in the near future, I think we will talk about this for some weeks on end. But we want to create, we want to empower and equip one another so that we start having more and more conversations like that and feel empowered to have those conversations. And we'll talk about that in the future, but I want to tell you today that the very center of that, the bedrock of that, the foundation of that is two things. One is prayer, because really it's God who does all this. It's God who's at work in our hearts to invite us to himself. It's God who's at work in the hearts of others. We just cooperate with what God's doing. So it's really in prayer, and it's also in you. It's in you, it's in us, in this people that God has gathered together. It's a culture of invitation. See, because I don't think that what God is doing in this church family, in this community, I don't think that God wants to build some spectacle, some incredible spiritual Disney world of elaborate programs and amazing buildings so that people will wonder, what's going on over there? And expand an invitation to Christ. Maybe that's God's work somewhere else, and that's great. I cheer for that. But here I think God wants to not build a spectacle. I think here God wants to build us. I think he wants to build a community, a family of people who follow Jesus, who are experiencing the fullness of life, who are experiencing grace, mercy, and welcome, and empowerment, the fullness of life in Jesus Christ, such that the people that we love and care about, we would not want to keep it from them. We'd want to invite them to come and discover what we've discovered. God wants to build us, build a culture of invitation here in this place. And then not only would we want to share that, but that we would feel equipped and empowered and comfortable to have those conversations and know what to do. I think we need to build a culture of invitation focused especially on equipping and empowering the inviters. Let me just plant a little seed with you, a little ministry that I have in mind and some of our staff members have been planning to launch probably in a year or so. And we're calling it Adopt Your Street in Prayer. It's actually something that I've seen other churches do, and we want to kind of join the movement. I think it's a great idea. This is what it's called. Though some, of you are, some of you are probably going to get started on this right away, so I'm just going to tell you about it right now. This is what you do. You take a walk. Just go for a walk in your neighborhood. Walk up and down your street or around the block, whatever makes sense for you. Walk around your, uh, your housing complex, whatever it is. And remember who lives there. Or maybe for you it would be learn who lives there. Yeah, it might take more than one walk, right? Go take a walk. And then come back home and pray for them. Pray for your neighbors. Just pray for God's hand of blessing to be on the people who live around you. As the Bible says, pray for the peace of the city you find yourself in. Pray for God's blessing on them. Pray if they have families, pray for their families. If they have jobs, pray for their jobs. Pray for relationships among your neighbors. Just pray for God's blessing to be on them. Pray for God to speak to their hearts. And as you pray for God's work in their lives, for God to speak into their lives, be ready for God to speak to your heart. Might just be that God would lay it on your heart, would prompt you to invite them over for a cookout or something. Maybe God would put it on your heart to invite somebody over to watch a football game, come over for dinner, do something. Maybe God's putting it on your heart, or would at that point, to invite your friends or your neighbors into your life. And at some point, God might put it on your heart to invite them to come to worship with your church family, like on Christmas Eve, maybe, or Easter. Lots of people who don't go to church still think about the possibility of going to church at that time. Or maybe just the next Sunday. It's always the right Sunday to invite a guest to come with you here. Now, some of you are early adopters and pioneers and you're like, let me add. Them. I'm gonna try right now. Let me start praying. I wanna go. For those of you who do that, like, tell me some stories. When you do it, let me know how it went. Tell one of our staff people how it went. We'd love to hear about your experiences because your experiences will probably make it richer for the rest of us who start doing this next year. We're going to prayerfully and intentionally build a culture of invitation around here, focused especially on empowering and equipping the inviters. But I think it means one more thing for us to expand our invitation to Christ. The other thing that it says here that I think we are being called by God to do is expand and improve our facilities to support a growing family. i think about this for a second. When a biological family or a nuclear family begins to have babies or adopt children, their family begins to grow. You know what they do next, right? Oftentimes they begin to like paint a room or repaint their house to get a crib, get a room ready. Well, our family's growing around here. You might have noticed we started painting the house out there, and we actually had to get our nursery ready too because we have actual babies around here, so we got some more cribs, and our nursery's growing also. It's not to expand and improve our existing facility. We're trying to take care of our house around here. And actually, for some of us, it's kind of hard to realize that we need to take care of the house that we live in. For those of us who've been around a long time, it works like it here, just like it works in our houses at home. When you've been around for a long time, you don't see the problems anymore, right? I don't see all the paint that's smudged and chipped in some of my hallways. And around here, I don't see the problems here either. And I would guess a lot of you are in this boat with me. But three times in the last nine months, I've had a conversation with somebody who was inside our church building for the very first time, completely unconnected to one another, and had a conversation with them where they communicated to me that they were surprised, shocked to find out that there was a thriving Christian community that meets in this building. They looked at our house and figured that we were a dying church waiting out our last years. That kind of hurt my feelings, to be honest, when I heard that, because this is our place, you know? And I was surprised. I didn't understand right away. That wasn't a very fun conversation for me to have the first time I had it or the second time I had it or the third time I had it. But it's true. They thought that's what our house said about our family that lives and worships in this house. Well, we've been responsible around here. We've been doing a good job paying off our debts and we've had the opportunity this year to start doing some of the things that help our house reflect the family that meets here. And that's important. But we not only need to take care of the house that we've got, but we're going to need some more space around here also. You know, last week was kickoff Sunday. And again this year, we had more people, more kids in Sunday school this year than we had last year, which was also true last year and the year before and so on. On Wednesday nights, our rooms that we use for groups for children and teens, students, confirmation age, high school age, adults were maxed out around here we got adult groups meeting in our offices. we got children's and student groups meeting in closets. and You can learn about Jesus there. It's okay. But it's not great. It's not great. We need to do something about that. Last week when I stood up to share the message in the middle of our Sunday morning worship service, I was live in our contemporary service last week in video feed over here this week, the opposite direction. It was the first time during that hour I'd been able to see the back of the room because I was kind of sitting up front looking forward. And when I got up, I saw a whole row of people standing behind the last row of chairs because they had trouble finding a place to sit down. And I found out afterward there was this family who were already members of our church who couldn't find a place to sit together as a family. So one of our staff families got up and gave them their seats, which was absolutely the right thing to do, but not a long-term solution, right? I mean, our contemporary worship attendance has grown every year for the last five years, grew 8% again last year. Some people would say, that's a nice problem to have. And it is a nice problem to have. But it's still a problem that we need to solve together. About nine months ago, one of our longtime members at First Lutheran called me up and asked if he'd come see me in my office. This is a guy who's been an important leader here at First Lutheran for longer than I've been alive, honestly. It was right at the same time that in our worship service we were asking about the dreams that God has put in all of our hearts for First Lutheran, the things that are on the back of this right now, and he called me up and wanted to talk about something. And so he came in and he said, you know, Pastor Steve, back in the 60s, we built a beautiful sanctuary for our traditional worship service, which was the service we had at that time. And it's this room right here. And and we did, and thank God for those of you who are a part of that. I mean, those of us who are here now are standing on the shoulders of giants, this wonderful, beautiful place that has housed worship and where the word of God has been taught. It's been a house of prayer for all people. Beautiful thing. Thank God that happened here. He said, Pastor Steve, we did that in the 60s. We built this beautiful, spacious room for traditional worship. Back in the 90s, we started a contemporary worship service, you know, kind of as an experiment. We put it over in the fellowship hall. And then he kind of leans in with a sly grin. He goes, I think it's probably safe to say it's going to stick around now, huh? <laughs> and he said, you know, we need to build a real worship space for our contemporary worship service also. And he's right about that. He's absolutely right about that. Right now, I don't have any stories that I have to tell you. I don't have any stories I have to tell you about people, individuals, families who have come here and actually been turned away, who've walked in and walked out because it was that full yet, though we struggle with that in our parking lot sometimes. I don't have any stories I have to tell you about people who've come and just been turned away because we're too full. But if we don't do something together, I will start having to tell you those stories. I'll start having names and faces and stories to tell you about people who have come here. We expanded our invitation and welcomed them here, and then they weren't welcome when they got here. I'll have to tell you about how people have been turned away because they couldn't find a place to pray and worship with us and learn from scriptural teaching. I'll have to tell you that we've decided not to expand our invitation to Christ, but rather that we've decided we're going to limit our invitation to Christ to our current capacity. Except I don't want to live to see the day where I stand in front of you and have to say that. So instead, I'll stand in front of you today and say, Now, we're going to begin putting some teams together to start working on this to start plotting a course of action for us forward. And maybe God is stirring in some of your hearts to be a part of some of those teams in one capacity or another. It takes a whole lot. Maybe God is stirring in your heart to be a part of making that dream, that vision a reality in one way or another. It takes a lot. And we've been called to expand our invitation to Christ. Right, and so we're not doing this because we love buildings. We're done to do this because we love people. We're not doing this because we have an ambition to be a big church. We're doing this because there is a big heart of God. Because the heart of our Heavenly Father that we reflect gets bigger and bigger and runs down the road after more and more lost children. We're doing this because we don't want to shrink our invitation to Christ, but because we're going to expand our invitation to Christ. And last week I left you with a prayer. I asked you, I said all throughout this week, if you were here last week, I asked you, would you please this week just pray, Lord, help me know and show the heart of God. Jesus, help me know and show the heart of God. I hope that some of you, I hope many of you were able to pray that prayer sometimes this week. It's amazing what happens when you pray. Sometimes God gives you opportunities you didn't realize you were asking for. Maybe an opportunity to know the gracious heart of God in a new way for you. Maybe opportunities open doors to show the gracious heart of God that you didn't even realize you were ready for. But I want to leave you with another prayer this week as we're seeing God's future for our church family. We want to see it from our knees and stay in prayer together. And so I'm going to give you another prayer. The prayer this week is, Lord, expand our invitation to Christ. Lord, expand our invitation to Christ. Let's just, let me practice that together. Contemporary worship, traditional. Those of you who are watching via broadcast, let's do that together right now. Lord, expand our invitation to Christ. Now, i got to tell you, I almost asked you to pray, Lord, expand my invitation to Christ. Because I I want it to be something we all feel like we own. God, I want you to do this in my life. And I think that's really important for each of us to have a part in this. But I also, so I will remind you that when I say our, like me is a part of our, my is a part of our, right? Me is a part of us. But as I was thinking about that, I was, well, I was thinking about the time that Jesus invited these fishermen, right, up there on the north end of Lake Galilee, and what he invited them to and, and what he saw. And what he saw wasn't just some individual guys with fishing poles by themselves, 25 yards apart down the shore, trying not to bother each other. What he saw was these guys who were holding a net together on different sides. They were working together as a team, and he made them a community, and he sent them out to work together with a net. <laughs> vision2020.net. And we fish for people. Jesus has invited us to himself to make us inviters. As we are fishers of men and women, we don't fish alone. We fish together. We pray, Lord, expand our invitation to Christ. Now let's pray together. Good and gracious God, thank you for your invitation in our lives that you have met us where we were that you invited us when we were probably uninvitable, loved us when we were unlovable, welcomed us as unwelcomable, but you've made us your children. You've welcomed us into your family. You've made us brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, as you have invited us into your family, God, expand your invitation in us. God, help us reflect your heart Help us cultivate a reputation together, not as those who care for themselves alone, but for those who care about all those still outside. Lead ahead of us. Give us your spirit. Strengthen us in your grace and empower us, Lord. Lord, expand our invitation to Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.